Hi, Black Hollywood Live fans. Today we're talking about rappers Designer and Nelly with two totally different legal issues. Today on Justice is Served. You are tuned into Black Hollywood Live. Justice is Served. You guys are way excited to have this on, aren't you? This is the first time we've talked about Designer. Welcome, Justice fans, to Justice is Served. Thanks for joining us. My name is Chelsea Galicia. I'm an attorney joined by my two fabulous co-hosts. You guys want to introduce yourselves? Ladies first. <laughs> sure. I am Yemi Abayami. You can reach me on Twitter and Instagram at ayemyems. I'm Shaka Smith. You can reach me on Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat at Shaka Strong. <laughs> And we're here to bring you the latest in this week's legal news, starting with the story of the artist behind this summer smash, Panda. Rapper designer has been on a bit of a a, a legal roller coaster. Uh, Shaka, what happened? Yeah, so so designer, apparently there was a road rage incident, you know? And um, designer was charged, uh, someone alleged that he had waved a pistol at them, and designer was charged with weapons charges, and they also found some drugs in the vehicle, so he also got uh, possession with intent to sell. So, as I understand it, he wasn't the only one. There was a, it was an SUV full of people, yeah. and the cops just went on the word of the either driver or passenger of another car that they got into some kind of conflict with. Yes, and then the cops found no gun, and it turns out, or at least what's alleged by designer's lawyers, is that the drugs were prescription drugs that belonged to the owner of the SUV. There were some serious, you know, dr- drugs, you know, steroids and yeah. some... They, they were all steroids. Oh, no, yeah. Oxycontin and... Yeah. Oh, I, I, I thought they were all they were all steroids, that initially I thought that they had... that they thought they were... Well, they allege you with the yeah, oxycontin and methadone, yeah. Okay. So the drugs are all allegedly, or I don't know if this come out factually, that they are belonging to the driver, and, not to designer. Yeah, and they have prescription, and the driver has prescriptions for the drugs. Okay, so the prosecutors have already dropped this. They're not even going through with any of this. So quick. I mean, normally these things take much longer from arrest to charges dismissed. It makes me think that something was up with this case that the prosecutors are like, we're not even going to touch this. This does not even stand up. He still has two charges pending, I believe. A menace to... uh, Yeah, for waving, yeah. But for a gun... But no gun was found, so I don't understand how anything is still I, stuck. I wouldn't be the way he came out uh, recently. Came out of came out of jail or came out of court. I mean, he was kind of very exuberant and happy. I assume he himself maybe knows that the charges are going to be dropped soon. As we said, no no gun was found, and even in terms of possession, they were. Um, he was a passenger in the SUV, and the driver uh, has been previously arrested for for. Uh, Distribution, I think, of of drugs as well. Yeah. So, and, and his attorneys came out very strongly against, um, I guess, the cops releasing to the media the, that list of drugs as well, and against these charges that were really based on the word of somebody else. And I think it's so concerning that these police are not taking some more time and doing some due diligence to find out what's going on before they're making arrests. I mean, that's really scary because the way that it looks like it went down is just a driver can make up anything yeah. about you. And I don't know if it was because of this uh, road rage incident, or uh, as I think Designer said, that the police were just after him because of his success. And, what and, do you think makes more sense? 
I think that does make a little bit of um, sense. And I almost to retract what I said last week, because I said last week, why wouldn't Chris Brown have just answered the door? Because once the police determine the credibility of both parties, you know, it should have, you know, alleviated, you know... The any, truth would come out. Exactly. To some extent that they would be able to go, well, this woman is not as reliable as we thought she was. And But now I see that maybe he made the right move in waiting and getting his lawyer and, you know, going through that whole motion because... That the fact they will go just on the word of a driver and not do any vetting to prevent this from happening is kind of ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, I heard that it's possible that they ditched the gun and that's why no gun was found. I, I don't know how to, you know, prove or disprove that one. But if there really was no gun, I mean, if, if it did get tossed and there was no gun found, I, I, I just don't know. It makes the, the justice system look a little wonky. Like, yeah. <laughs> unpredictable, unreliable. And, and remember, designer doing. is someone of means. So what if this was someone that didn't have quite as much money as he did and couldn't defend themselves vigorously, you know? Yeah, I don't know. So it looks like I this is probably an almost done deal for him. So as quickly as this started, it might end. Um, but I guess welcome, designer, for your first story covered on Justice is Served. <laughs> uh, hopefully the last. <laughs> yeah, I've read that in New York it's actually not unusual to uh, arrest someone on possession, especially when there's multiple individuals in a, in a vehicle, to arrest them all, charge them all with possession, and then, you know, slowly but surely as they get more information, the, the charges are dropped soon after. But it's not unusual to to charge them at the outset if they're in a group in that vehicle. All right. Well, I mean, I guess the good news is that it went quickly. Yeah. But you'd have thought one of them would have offered, well, I have a prescription. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. So something's (laughs) weird about this story. Guess we'll find out sooner or later, hopefully. All right. Mm -hmm. On to a totally different legal problem. Rapper Nelly um, has some IRS problems, and he's definitely not alone. I guess Yummy's got a full list <laughs> of the other celebrities who are currently facing tax problems. Yeah. Why don't you give us a quick rundown of, of who we're looking at here? Yeah, so it seems like Nelly isn't the only one. As we know, Nelly just got um, hit with a $2 million tax lien from the IRS. This is like com- coming in on some kind of record here. I mean... <laughs> It's not definitely not the largest, but it's one of the not, bigger not ones. Not the that largest, we've seen. Yeah. right? Not the largest, but it's a it's a big one, and that's just his federal lien. Um, he also has one hundred and fifty thousand um, dollars in state taxes due, um, and so he's not the only one. We have Nene Leakes previously had a lien for one million dollars. Iggy Azalea had one for six hundred and sixty thousand. Monique, the comedian, had a four hundred thousand dollar lien. So these were smaller amounts, but we all know, you know, Wesley Snipes. He himself went to jail for three years for. Uh, tax evasion and that was, that was 14 million Did you think Nelly dollars. would be facing jail time? Well, it depends if this was sort of some sort of willful um, evasion. I know Wesley initially had, you know, come out and said he was didn't agree with paying taxes, <laughs> so that might have been part of it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I, I, I doubt he'll face jail time if this wasn't some sort of willful plan to evade um, tax payments. But what is interesting is Save Nelly and Hot and Hair are trending on Twitter. I know, his fans his love fans. him so much. I saw some great Twitter comments like, Nelly helped me grind with my first girl in middle school. I'm going to help him out now, yeah. something to that effect. So if you're a Nelly fan, you should know that if we stream on Spotify, hot in here, $426 billion, Nine hundred and sixty-five. Do I have to pick that song? I, I like ride times. with me a little bit better. Well, man, yeah, well, any may, song, yeah, any we'll song do will the probably trick. help. But yeah, when we get to four hundred twenty-six billion, his tax bill will be paid. Okay, billion or million? Billion. 
426 billion times. If we stream it that many times, we can get it. I don't think streaming is the way. (laughs) Streaming is like, it pays the least, right? In terms of the the revenues to artists. So streaming might not be the way to go. Well, it's trending on Twitter, so who knows? They need to start buying tour tour tickets and and something else. I don't know. Seriously. So if he won't face jail time, that's not very likely. What is the likely remedy for the IRS because this is kind of a big bill. Yeah, well, we do know that when you owe this amount, they can start to seize your property and your assets. So certainly we hope uh, the streams come in quickly and the checks are <laughs> cut, cut fast. And, and usually usually the IRS will work with you if you yeah. establish some sort of plan to pay yeah. um, and, and make an effort in that way. I mean, Wesley Snipes, for example, he was a little bit egregious, as Shaka said, because he, he didn't even feel he needed to pay. He wasn't trying yeah. to set up a he plan. He changed his tune very late in that game, and by then the jig was already up. Yeah. So I heard, I also heard that people were like on replay playing the song while they slept for you know yeah. hours on a time. Yeah. So if you want to help them out, I guess that's a good way to go. But the bigger question yeah. that I have is why do you think all these celebs, all these artists have tax problems? We hear about this every other week. Somebody's got a tax problem. What the hell is going on? You know, I think it's probably the result of uh, poor planning, obviously, poor team management. Um, when you get money and income from so many different sources, sometimes it can be tough to keep track personally, and you haven't hired someone who's competent to do it for you. I My suspicion is pr- is actually in the other direction, because we don't really hear people coming out and telling us how they got in their problems. The only time that I've seen uh, a celebrity say anything was Rihanna because she sued her accountant a couple of years ago because she said he mismanaged her money, and Brian McKnight. And he actually gave a live interview saying, I messed up. I hired people to help me, but I didn't keep tabs on my money. I didn't know what was going on, and I should have. And, I mean, it seems to me that it comes down to education, that they just don't know the basics of taxes and managing where your money is going, and they depend too much solely on that person but you do think if someone comes with a recommendation and a degree that you know but I would say that the number of times that I've heard of accountants managers even lawyers mismanaging people's money or even stealing it oh well um, is like I think it's an epidemic (laughs) levels (laughs) well money's got that enticement I suppose so yeah I I, want to bring them all into my financially fit courses that I, that I teach, right? Um, but in the meantime, there's another way that uh, people can get some education. Yami, you want to tell us about General Assembly? Sure. Are you looking for a career in tech? Maybe business, data, design, or marketing? I'm sure some of those will help you to keep track yeah. of your money. <laughs> <laughs> or trying to get a promotion or raise. I think all of us yeah. can relate to that. <laughs> to excel in your career, you need 21st century training and skills. General Assembly is the largest and most respected school worldwide for people seeking to grow their talents and master the marketplace. Whether it's learning remotely, online, or in person at one of their beautiful campuses, you can join the 350,000 people who have already gotten the training needed to propel their careers in tech and business. It's like you can get it on your phone, even if it's online. <laughs> Pretty awesome. But don't wa- don't learn from them at the same time as you're watching our show. Yeah. You can watch the show and then, and then- do school later. <laughs> More than 2,500 companies worldwide hired General Assembly graduates, with, a 99, with 99% of graduates who participate in General Assembly's career services landing a new role in a field within six months of starting their job search. And awesome. Anyone who's been on a job search knows that's, those are some great numbers. <laughs> Did our law school promise 
Anybody else's uh, not, not law school high. promise? <laughs> <laughs> Take control of your talent and career now. Find out more at ga.co slash geek. That's ga.co slash geek. Enter the promo code geek, G-E-E-K, to save on your first class, workshop, or event. That's ga.co slash geek. Code word geek. Great. Thank you so much, Yemi and General Assembly, for your support of Black Hollywood Live and Justice is Served. Now we're shifting gears in a big way. Uh, There was an attorney in Mississippi who decided that he had had enough of the Confederate emblem in the state flag of Mississippi. Mississippi is the last state in the Union to have a flag that includes the Confederate emblem in it. And he sued in federal court to have the the flag declared unconstitutional. Uh, he is offended by the flag, and uh, I guess, I don't know, it seems like it was not that long ago, but then when I think about that it was the same year that I graduated high school, in 2001, voters in Mississippi had a referendum, and they could choose whether they wanted to keep the flag or have something new, and they elected to keep it. Um, so he tried a stab at it in court. How'd that go for him? <laughs> so it didn't go particularly well for him, unfortunately, although you could tell that the judge um, also had his reservations about the use of the Confederate flag in the Mississippi state flag. This was a, a black judge himself, Carlton Reeves, who said that uh, Moore's claims failed because there was no cognizable injury um, and that it failed in terms of making a constitutional claim you know, he would have to have shown that the Constitution guarantees a, a right to a freedom from anxiety um, and displays of racism. And, and he said that sounds more in, you know, emotional distress tort. Um, and so in terms of his injury, it has to be something that's, you know, specific uh, and likely and, and not something that's hypothetical. And so unfortunately, it, it failed on that uh, in terms of having standing and presenting an, an actual claim. Yeah, this is a good like case to understand a little bit about procedural law about in order to bring a case, you have to have a, an injury that's particular to you that results from it, an injury physical or legal that gives you standing Stand, or yeah. the, the right to sue, basically. And the judge says that he doesn't come over this really basic mm-hmm. hurdle. Yeah, yeah. And, and so that was that. And then he also mentioned, you know, is this a is this a solution that should be remedied by the court system, or is this a uh, an issue that should be remedied, you know, through the political process, through you know legislation, through the the, the votes of? But the it was people. almost like a call to action, which which I liked uh, about his opinion because he really you see the disdain for the Confederate <laughs> He's flag. Like, it is great yeah. to be on your own and the <laughs> stand alone. Sometimes <laughs> this is not one of those times. Yeah. It was a very well mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, out opinion, I thought. Yeah, so he really just laid out the basis for the um, constitutionality of it, but really said, is this a sort of symbol we want to be showing to people? This is really kind of represents the most reprehensible part of our history. Is this something we want out there? And he spoke to those, you know, who had their own feelings outside of the courtroom who said that, you know, the Confederate flag is not a symbol of slavery. It's a, you know, a sign of, you know, American history. And he cited in his opinion that, no, the, the, um, one of the edicts, I guess, of the, of their, the secession, uh, sorry, of of the Confederacy was their mission to keep slavery. Yeah. I mean, he's he stated it in his in the decision, and you know, it's something that's undeniable. I mean, I liked the argument that the attorney presented, which was that the flag is a form of hate speech. Mm. 
Um, quote says tantamount to hateful government speech that both has a discriminatory intent and disparate impact. Those are uh, words that are sort of needed to be proved for a 14th Amendment um, equal protection violation claim. And I mean, yeah, it's a little bit of a tenuous connection, but I thought that that sounded pretty legit to me. Yeah, I mean, I think I think he made the best argument he could, and really kind of hi- highlighted the divisiveness of that of that symbol, but at the same time did not pass that constitutional bar. And somebody who is on the other side of this who wants to defend the flag said that, um, quote, a lot of people will point to its use by hate groups, but if you use that logic, we also have to get rid of the Christian cross and the Bible. I thought that was an interesting (laughs) comment. But my argument to that was the Christian cross and the Bible are not used in any flags, are they? Not to far my as I know. So, we have great point, but I think I got you, yeah. right? <laughs> exactly because of that. So, I think that this case has a chance, and so does uh, Carlos Moore, because just today he filed a notice that he will appeal um, the decision, and, uh, and we'll even, see what happens. Yeah, and even Judge Reeves said that this didn't bar a situation from which a, pla- a plaintiff might have standing. So, maybe... If- I mean, obviously, an appeal, he can't really argue any uh, new information, but there might be another plaintiff in the future that can offer something that might give him standing to um, sue successfully. I mean, do we uh, have, I mean, do you need, like, a specific person who was victimized by people with the flags, you know, it, and they, they said... They have to show some nexus of the, you know, or maybe some, yeah, they have to show some nexus of that hate speech with their injury. All right. We'll see about... Uh, what happens with that, that? It will be very interesting. That flag cannot stand for very long. The question will be, how will it go down? And and obviously, the voters have something to do with that. So, I just feel like it's gone through the process. That, as you mentioned, they've had they've had votes, legislation, um, bills have been introduced that haven't really gone anywhere in uh, the state congress. So I don't know. I kind of question whether that well, symbol is going to I don't know if it's going to be in our lifetime. But I do think it's <laughs> oh, really? No, I, I thought it has to be sooner than later. I guess we'll find out. All right, so there's been a... This is a really terrible follow-up on the Eric Garner case. There's some things that we've come to expect when we hear about these police... Uh, we'll call them killings, right? So uh, we'll expect that when an officer is involved in the death of a citizen that they're going to be stripped of their gun and have desk duty and you know we know that by now and then we also know that it's going to take forever for the investigations to complete okay we got that but what i don't expect is the pay raise that this yeah. officer has gotten so officer pantaleo was the nypd officer who call it a chokehold or not put his arms around eric garner's neck caused him to not be able to breathe and then die yeah and uh, apparently it pays to be an officer who puts your arms around somebody's neck and, I will say it, kills them because he's making a very healthy six figures. Yeah. <laughs> right. Apparently, it, 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 yeah, as you said, it pays to, I guess, go on desk duty. His, his uh, income has changed incredibly since the time before, right before Eric Garner's get, death, where he was making just about, he made a total of $99,000 in 2014. So that, that part I almost understand. He was a plainclothes officer out in the field, out on the streets. Working overtime. That, I, that part I have no problem with. And 
Yeah. Everybody else is sort of on that same page? Okay, so all things sound fine there, but then. <laughs> but then, you notice the, the fiscal year starting immediately after the Eric Garner case, his salary, his total salary went up from 99000 to 105000 And what was interesting about this one is that he had about $17,000 in, in overtime pay, which was actually consistent with his previous year, but he also had an additional, additional $11,000 in unspecified pay. Mm-hmm. So it's unclear what that was going to, uh, what that was for. But what's even more interesting is that then in the 2015 to 2016 fiscal year, so now two years after the Eric Garner incident, his total pay is now $120,000 and his overtime pay has increased by 35% to $23,000 and the uh, increase of his salary overall has been about 14%. Um, In addition, he still got another $12,000 in that unspecified pay that we don't know exactly what that's meant to account for. Yeah, so it's sort of just surprising because obviously he wasn't indicted, but he, they, the department said they disciplined him, and that you would expect to see some disciplinary, serious disciplinary and action. They, they, but they haven't said what kind of discipline. They've refu- refused to release it, and you'd expect that some sort of serious discipline would affect someone financially. Yeah. But apparently, it, the I mean, because that's was, yeah. the only thing that people care about. I mean, the justice system really can only penalize people financially or put them in jail. Yeah. They're not going to put him in jail, and they haven't penalized him financially. This doesn't make a whole lot of legal. So one wonders what the department did to penal um, to. You know, uh, well, the department's saying them. that we've concluded our investigation. We're not releasing the results of that yet because we're waiting for the federal investigation to end. So again, yada yada. But wait, I believe wait, they wait. said there was some disciplinary action taken. Yeah, but yeah. not I, I, not anything of a serious. Well, yeah, obviously, yeah. I would I would love to know and, what and, that and, action was. Well, and now you know you know Mayor De Blasio has spoken about even releasing police disciplinary records saying that he's no longer going to do so. So even though the police department historically for 40 years has re- released, you know, disciplinary uh, I think what documentation, happened, he's saying no more. Yeah, I think what happened with that probably is because now they're citing some kind of law that's always been there, but they're just now uh, following something shady is going on there. But this is terrible for police community relations for this to come out. And I'm trying to understand it from the other side because this can really piss you off if you think about it. And I'm trying to be like, well, okay, how cooler minds prevail? How can we look at this from the other side and see maybe this actually makes sense? Well, it it, it makes sense to... In the fact that, okay, here's someone who was not charged with a crime, and why should he be affected financially if he is essentially, you know, a free citizen? But my problem is there was a, there was a wrong that was done, and the department acknowledged that wrong in saying that we are disciplining this, this um, police officer. So now it, you know, speaks to what level of discipline took place. Um, just um, n- none, yeah. <laughs> right? Well, yeah. that's why I think yeah. it's important to to release those types of documents. Yeah. Know what the investigation uncovered. I mean, fortunately, in this situation, it was videotaped, so we all know what happened, and we know that yeah. chokeholds are against uh, department policy. So they said it was not a chokehold. I mean, what was that? A hug? A massage? I mean, yeah. there's just no way. I mean, you. Whatever you call it, he did his job incorrectly. Yes. You're not supposed to cause somebody to die when they're doing something. Illegal or not illegal, slightly illegal, selling loose cigarettes, please. Yeah. And and he did a bad job of enforcing the law and keeping this community safe, right? So if you do your b- job badly in any other job, well, maybe besides teaching, teachers are pretty protected too, you get fired. Yeah. And he wasn't fired. Pay went 
up over yeah. the course of two years. It just and it went up substantially. Yeah, it went yeah. up substantially. I mean, I think, you know, all of us have worked in, in corporate jobs or public jobs, and you, maybe you usually see a little bit of a bump every year after doing some right, good work. to keep up with inflation. It, exactly. Or a, a raise it, if you do a really great it may, job. It makes me wonder if, you know, part of the discipline was not working the same beat he worked, and they thought financially we'll compensate him because we want to protect our own and want to give him some sort of bonus for for having not to have him do the job he typically does. And it's it's it's, it's difficult to even tell what that is because, you know, they give these amounts of uns, unspecified yeah. pay. What is that meant to account for? Yeah, what is it, 12K in the last year? 12,000 12, 12, so last year. we don't know year what it's, you know. And 11,000 in the previous year. But that year before the Eric Garner incident, I didn't see anything reported about unspecified pay, only the overtime pay. I mean, when yeah. something is this upsetting, I generally go to the question, am I missing something yeah. here? But well, no, we are. We are. We're not. missing we're the records and we're missing, <laughs> okay. yeah, we're missing a lot of stuff here. Oh, man. Uh, All right. Well, I, I mean, I always want to, like, end on a sort of positive note, but I don't really yeah. know what there is um, unless the federal investigation is going to reveal something that is going to lead all of a sudden to charges and real discipline. I'm not holding my breath. Well, I think, you know, I think, well, hopefully, I know you've been covering that political show, so hopefully the presidential candidates are using this kind of information to do something progressive about what we do with our nation's police departments. Uh, I mean, you know, Trump is just always, you know, touting our police officers are the, you know, the best and most courageous and all that. And I'm sure most of them are, but he has said nothing about um, the officers who do their jobs badly. And well, I know Hillary was promoting some national police standards and hopefully transparency and releasing um, these records. Though both canons haven't been so good about that, but hopefully for <laughs> for police departments, it's something we'll, we'll see on the horizon. And so now you have De Blasio and, and uh, Governor Andrew Cuomo going kind of back and forth. Uh, De Blasio saying, "Well, it's not my fault. I'm not releasing these documents. It's a, you know it's something needs to be changed in the law. You know, the legislature, the governor needs to do something about Everyone that." Everyone points the finger at somebody else, right? Okay. Um, All right. And finally, we'll end with a very different story altogether. Uh, Blackish. You know the show? Yeah. Funny show. Um, It may have been stolen. I mean, we've seen these kinds of stories before. We talk about it sometimes here when dealing with Empire. A number of people have come out of the woodworks with Empire and tried to say that, um, you know, it's based on them or a character's based on them or... It was based on their book or something like that. Yeah. And we have a similar story here with Blackish. It's Brian Barber is suing the showrunner uh, Kenya Barris. And these two people actually go way back. Yeah, it's when I when I read this or when I saw the headline for the story, I was like doubting it. You know, of course. Oh yes, here it's we like go a, again. Yeah, it's a black experience, so it's going to be pretty broad and generalized. So anyone can almost claim it was stolen. But then we find out that. Uh, Barber is like a noted director, you know, of Idlewild, and he's done the games, music videos, and Outcast as well. And they actually knew each other and had worked on a script. I mean, prior they go back like twenty years to college, college. where they met. Yeah. They went to college in Clark Atlanta, and then they both became writers, and they were both signed to the same agency, William Morris, yeah. where they started working on a script together that was um, recalling the exper- the black experience in white America, essentially, and raising your family. and And um, he claims that the the script, the original script, was based on his own life. Barber does. Barber yeah. claims yeah. that the script was based on his own life. Um, and VH1 was originally developing the script. They put it aside, and this is in 2006. 
uh, fast forward to 2014 when Blackish premieres, and he sees a lot of similarities in that original script present in that yeah, pilot. The wife's episode. name is the same. You know, Rainbow is the name of the wife, and it's the same in both. Yeah, but somebody's yeah, like, but in real life, his wife is named Rainbow, so that's not that. Right. So it was it was really interesting because at first when yeah. I read this, I was like, oh well, there are a lot of similarities. Yeah. The the wife's name is Rainbow. In the pilot episode, there is a reference to this grape drink instead of grape juice. Um, they the pilot episode. So Andre, who's the lead character, is assigned to the urban department of his of his company, and apparently that happens in the original script. So there were certain um, very distinct yeah. similarities. And so I thought, oh, okay, well, maybe this was some copying. But then when you looked at Kenya Barris's life, it actually kind of reflects the same types of things. As you said, his own wife is named Rainbow. Um, he also is a, a successful executive in the entertainment industry, a black executive in the entertainment industry, raising his family amongst a white culture. So is it necessarily a barber's life, or is this just Kenya Barris writing about his own life? So you think the defense is that Kenya Barris is like, this is my life too? <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, the, the rainbow, I mean, the barber conveniently left out, I yeah. think, that that Barris's own wife is named Rainbow. But I, I think given the fact that it was in both scripts, that's not going to be helpful to, to Barris at all. So, and it seemed like there might be enough similarities. And the fact that they worked on a script of a very similar nature, I, I think uh, I think Barbara's going to prevail here. Ooh, interesting. Okay. Um, now, some people are criticizing Barbara for waiting uh, so long to your... This is the second season. It's now up for Emmy nominations. Does that make a difference to you one way or another about the legitimacy of the claim? No, just because you wait on the success of something to file a claim doesn't mean your claim is any less meritorious. And something that I've learned is that it actually is better for somebody to wait until a show is successful, does get recognized and up for awards and things like that, because then your claim actually has some uh, money that you can win. If you stop it too soon... Then you ruin the show. You stop the show from going on. You ruin the show, and then maybe you have no money to collect. Yeah. You're you're left with your victory on paper, but you get nothing yeah. in the and end. And here, Barber is suing for his full rights. He wants all his credits, the writing credit. Uh, he wants also merchandising rights, just as if he were you know a co-creator, co-writer of the show, and a million dollars. Well, well uh, under the copyright law, even if you are both joint authors of a work. Either author can go ahead and, and license that information to another individual, but there has to be an accounting to that other author that yeah. wasn't involved. And he's so, asking so. for that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I think that brings us to the end of our show today. Thanks for joining us, and be sure to like, comment, do all that fun jazz, and join us next time. Uh, you can find me at Chelsea Galicia. You can find me at Shaka Strong on Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat. You can find me at Ayemiems on Instagram and Twitter. You'll find all of us next here, same time, same place. <laughs> I don't. Bye. From executives Kevin Undergaro, Dario Kristen, Tiana Hobson, and the entire BHL staff, we would like to thank you for supporting Black Hollywood Live, the first online broadcast network dedicated to African-American entertainment. For questions and comments, contact us info at blackhollywoodlive.com like us on facebook tweet us or instagram us at bhl online and i am the official voice of black hollywood live sipia instagramming at king xo bay thanks for tuning in but redefined the views expressed here are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of bhl or its owners or principals 